coffee lovers, and welcome to the God Country Live Video Podcast. Every every Friday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And now, live from Seguin, Texas, and other places around the world, your host, Jose Roberto Alaniz Jr. Hello, coffee lovers. Jose, third day coffee, Seguin. It's 1900. It's Friday night. And uh, we're obviously in the studio, or whatever you want to call it, the coffee shop. And uh, I've got obviously my guest is familiar, at least I hope he is, because he's been on the show several times. And uh, John Mitten, he's a senior pastor of Everyday Christian uh, in Cibolo, Texas. And, uh, and so we've been, uh, first, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I have to thank God for all the blessings that he just continues to pour uh, over me and my family, uh, keeping us safe. I had shoulder surgery recently, and it's going really well. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, we have our Christmas gift packs on the website. You'll have to go to the site because today is unusual. I don't have access to the computer like we normally do because we're sitting over here. Um, and if you, uh, I will try to keep up with some of the comments uh, with my phone. Uh, but if you haven't already given StreamYard permission to use your name, you'll have to do that or you'll have to put your name in the comments so I know who's who's commenting. Um, if they just go on and on and on, you know it's me, right? If they, uh, if they go on and on and on, I can tell when it's him. I can tell by the content. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, for the last several weeks, we've been on the uh, Sin No More and I've got a lot to learn. Uh, I am studying this uh, on a regular basis. And it seems like every time I think I have a, a grasp, an idea, it like John will say something and I'm like, wait a minute, wait, now I got to go back to the drawing board, you know, or Harry will say something and I'm like, no, wait, I got to go back. This is not right. And so, uh, but I thought we would do something a little different tonight because um, I think that uh, before we talk about that, we really should talk about We're going to touch on it for sure. Yeah, we're, we're going to hit it. No, there's no doubt. Uh, but I think we need to take a couple of steps back. First, I'm going to answer a question. Uh, from last week that was uh, sent to me by uh, one of my shipmates. Um, and uh, he's a he's a great guy. He takes care of his family. He's a good man. Um, and he's agnostic. He, he tells me flat out more. He's more agnostic than, than anything. Not atheist, but agnostic. And so if you don't know the difference, John, I'll, I'll touch on that, I'm sure. Um, Let's do it right now. Okay. So, uh, atheistic comes from two words. Ah, uh, meaning no. Theist, theistic means God. So... Uh, an atheist believes there is no God. Ah, Gnostic, uh, an agnostic is ah, meaning no. Gnostic means knowledge, meaning you have no knowledge of a God. So that, the difference is one says there is no God, one says there may be, but I just don't have any knowledge. I don't know him. Right. <clears throat> so um, what I wanted to talk about is we're going to touch on that question, but then we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, we're going to back up a little bit off the sin. We're going to hit the sin because there's no way around it. Uh, but we want to talk about um, what it really means uh, to surrender your life to Christ, to be saved. What that, what does that really mean? And the reason I think it's important is because when I met John, I had just come from a Pentecostal church and I had, you know, surrendered my life and I had been baptized and I was going through all the motions. And the more that I actually got into the word, the more I realized that I was checking boxes and I hadn't really given my life over. I was still trying to control all these aspects of my life. It's like, hey, God, can you take care of these? 
but I'm going to take care of this over here. You don't need to worry about that. Well, like he doesn't need my help. <laughs> he doesn't need our help with anything. And so uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. And of course, that's always going to lead into the sin thing because um, it's it's just it ties together. It doesn't you can't separate any of it. And so, um, again, uh, Pastor John is with me and uh, we'll put some links out, you know, when we get done here uh, for his church as well, because, uh, you know, if you want to reach out to him, I encourage you to reach out to him. I encourage you to visit his church. I encourage you to visit my church. Uh, at the country church in Marion. And um, actually tonight, tomorrow night, they're having the uh, walk through the, the, uh, I thought tonight was the concert. That was the, the, the Irwins. Yeah. That was last week. Oh yeah. Tonight and tomorrow night is the walk through and you can kind of walk through the different stations and they have different uh, parts of Jesus's life uh, leading up to, to uh, Christmas. And so that's another conversation that we had also because you know, I've always valued uh, Easter as the most important uh, holiday because that's when Christ defeated death. He defeated the cross. Uh, but John gave me, a, again, a different perspective, and I'm going to let him talk about that, too. But without further ado, to introduce yourself, and uh, let's, let's rock and roll. Well, I, <clears throat> thanks for having me again. I, I mean, I love being here, if, if for no other reason, because when I'm uh, when I'm not here, I'm, I'm online. <laughs> texting my behind off going wait 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 so yeah for I'm sure glad, i'm glad to be here absolutely um so let's talk about well the question that came in last week <laughs> excuse me i'm gonna have to get it <laughs> what i while you're coughing i i want to i want to tell everybody um i'm in a coffee shop um and i don't understand coffee's hot and uh <laughs> i want to take this jacket off but it's uh I think he's hanging meat in here, so uh, it's a little chilly. It so. is. Uh, I'm going to pull up the uh, podcast because I want to make sure that I don't miss uh, comments. And so um, let's see where we're at. Here we go. And then i got to turn the volume off on, otherwise it'll go in my hearing aids. All right. Okay. All right. So, <clears throat> again, if you have comments, please um, – Put your name in the uh, in the comments bar, and so the, the question that came in uh, from a friend of mine was um, a conver- having a conversation about how one can live a life holding closely as possible to the Ten Commandments without ever uh, seeking or receiving the Holy Spirit, which means being saved, being saved, right. basically, right? <clears throat> when we get saved. That's, that is that is the promise with the Holy Spirit. Well, that's the guarantee that you're saved. So, I mean, the Bible says that God puts His Holy Spirit in you as a guarantee of what is to come. So, so his question really is: Is it possible, or you know, people? Is it good that people try to live by the Ten Commandments without being saved? I mean, is that is that good enough, or is that good, or is that God okay with that? I think that's what he's asking. Yeah. So you want me to just jump in? Yeah. Just, okay. Just, just hit that one. Jump right in. <laughs> well, first and foremost. Um, you know, if somebody's asking about Jesus um, and the Ten Commandments, I mean, we're asking about Ten Commandments in general. Um, that's found in the Bible. Um, the Bible has Old and New Testament. New Testament has Jesus in it, and certainly, uh, even people who um, who are not uh, religious still think Jesus was a great guy. Uh, the people who aren't Christians still think he's a prophet. Um, people who don't ever go to church still quote the Golden Rule, which Jesus quoted. So, a lot of people 
um, like to think or like to say that they, they like what Jesus said on a lot of things. Well, here's the thing. Jesus um, spoke directly to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were doing exactly what you, What's your friend's name? John. John. Well, there you go. Doing exactly what John was saying. They were trying to live um, uh, based on the Ten Commandments as best they could, but just like anybody, and I don't mean anybody, including myself, anytime we try to be religious and try to be good, eventually, if we're, if we're successful at it, uh, we start thinking, I've conquered it. And the next thing you know, we start, our pride gets in the way, and then we start thinking we should add or subtract to, from these things. Okay, so check this out. This is cool. So last week um, um, at church, I preached on the 400 years of God's silence. Um, so from Malachi to Matthew, the Bible said uh, there, there's no prophet. So God used to speak to all of the people through prophets, priests, and kings. And um, for 400 years, God didn't speak. Not one prophet. Not one biblical thing, <coughs> nothing was said by God. And so I talked on Sunday about how uh, you should not mistake God's silence for his inactivity mm. because of all the things he was doing. So if you don't know, look, this gets deep quick, right? But I'll do it real quick. So um, God told um, the uh, the prophet um, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 8, 8, and I think in 8.31 as well. 8.8 8 is the first one. But it talks about this dream that he had and this vision vision he was given. Um, and it he, he ends up defining the vision. And in the vision, he says the Medes and the Persians would come in and take over. Well, they did. And then it says the next thing that's going to happen is the Greek, the shaggy dog with one horn, the, the unicorn goat, is going to come in and he's going to um, take over from the Medes and Persians. And then it says, and that will be a Greek. So he named the uh, Daniel names him to be a Greek. Well, we know that's Alexander the Great. Wow. He's the one that came and did it. Okay. So what was God doing? Well, God was allowing his people to be captive for, for a time. Why? Well, what did Alexander the Great do that was so important? Well, he made everyone in the, in the known world speak one language. And so the gospel, what God was doing, he was preparing the way for all of the gospel to be heard in one tongue. So what God mm. did at Babel by destroying all, putting all tongues around, we got, he, he says, you're, you're trying to do things on your own. And he, he broke that up and made everyone speak a different language. Well, God then stopped speaking. Malachi says, you're going to wait for the, for, the, for the great and terrible day. And in that day, I'll prepare the way. So in 400 years, about 200 years in, he sends Alexander the Great. He makes everybody in one language. Sounds pretty good. Well, the next thing that, that uh, the prophecy talks about is the next guy that comes in. Well, that's Rome. What does Rome do? Well, Rome does two things. One, they, they form what's called Pax Romana, which is the peace of Rome. And so that gives Jews permission to come back to Jerusalem. It also gives them freedom to roam and come back and forth as they want. And in order to do so, Rome built roads. And so it made access It made access for everyone to go back and forth from cities so that the gospel could be, could be spread out. And then in the midst of that, then uh, so all that's done. And then, and then you have three things or four kinds of people, but I'm only going to mention really three of them. Um, but because God hasn't spoken, what do you as a religious leader do? If God's not speaking, man, you just have to do your do your best to just give them the word, right? Just speak the word. Well, eventually, I think people wanted more. 
And religious leaders always feel pressured to give more, even if God hadn't spoke, because the people want more. Mm. That's what Aaron did, right? Aaron, Aaron, Moses is up on the mountain, and and they're like, hey, we don't know what happened to him and his God. So it's it's been 40 days, bro. I mean, come on, 40 days. <laughs> yeah. And so in 40 days, they get so fed up with not hearing from God or Moses that they they go back to the idols of Egypt and form a golden calf. So uh, so the, the the religious leaders are probably being taxed on, hey, bro, we, we want to hear from God. And so they're like, okay, what can we do? And so what they did was uh, they formed religious sects. Um, and so one of them was the Pharisees, who were the ones who made sure people kept the law. They they kind of became the lawyers of the Bible. You know, these are the things you can do. For instance, you can't tie a knot on the Sabbath because it is um, – uh, it's a day of no work, but a woman needs to be able to tie her sachet up or her dress up and so, or whatever. So they would allow them to do that. Well, then they got around and said, well, now the women can go get the water cause they can tie a knot. And so, <laughs> so, but you had Pharisees, right? Fair, they were fair. You see, that's why they were, they were judges. Then they had the Sadducees, which were, they weren't like the Pharisees and the fact that they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in uh, in angels or spirits. And so because of that, that's why they were sad, you see, so sad, you see. But they were a different, they kind of separated from them, although they were both part of the of the Sanhedrin. Well, then you had another group of people called the separatists. And so these separatists were like, you know, they were sick of the Pharisees and Sadducees and doing all these things. They're like, look, we need to stop trying to do things on our own. We need to get back to the word. And so they left. And they separated themselves from everybody else. And they went to a town called Qumran. And they they just began to over and over and over write the scriptures, over and over and over, write the scriptures, remember the scriptures. And so <clears throat> you think, well, what's the point? Well, to this day, uh, if you look at the history books and things about old, you know, old history, the, the youngest history books really we have are like from the uh, like 1000 A.D. Right. Uh there are very few books at all that come from way. In fact, the oldest Bible we have, you know, isn't, isn't that old. Um, we don't have any original manuscripts. And so somewhere along the line, we took every little bit and piece of manuscript we had. Um, and we, and scholars put them together in order to form books uh, right. that we call the Bible. And from that, you know, people don't realize there were no chapters and verses, right? There were no spaces. <laughs> it was just, it all. was just letters. <laughs> Just a page of, or scroll of letters, and then you have to know where to separate them. So, you know, most Jewish words are three wor- three three letters, uh, no vowels. Even the vowel markings came later. But the three letters, and then sometimes they one of them drops out, another one morphs in, and like I hated Hebrew, man, it was so hard. <laughs> but there are no spaces; you just got to figure it out. And so, um, so they put all of the pieces together like a puzzle and tried to. You know, say, well, we think this is what God was saying. We think this is the book. But everybody would say, there's no way you got this right. No way. No way. And so my dad said to me one time, he said, if there's a God and he wanted to speak to his people, do you think God would let us mess up his message? And I was like, no, I don't. I mean, if there's a God, you know, he probably wouldn't let us mess it up. I'm I'm okay with that. Okay. So then in 1947, we've got all this stuff happening. 1947, a a man loses his sheep, uh, a, a shepherd. He falls in a cave, uh, goes to get his sheep, and he finds all of these jars. And in the jars are these scrolls that are encapsulated, so they're they're protected from the weather. They open the scroll, and sure enough, what do they find? They find the entire book uh, readable. Most of it's readable. Most of it. Most of it's readable. It's the whole book, though. Yeah. But all most of it's readable. 
Um, and they find the entire book of Isaiah. Isaiah. And it's exactly the way the scholars put it together. <laughs> and it, that is, that's 200 BC. I'm sorry. Is that right? Yeah. 200 BC. That's right. 200 BC. Yeah. Yep. So 200 years before Jesus was ever born, we've got the book of Isaiah in its entirety. And, and it shows that what they put together. So uh, the, um, the Bible in itself, the canon of the Old Testament was put together during that time as well. Um, but it, let me let me do one negative, right? So what the Jews did do in that 200, 400 years is they wrote the Talmud. Now, most people don't know what the Talmud is. The Talmud is a commentary on the Old Testament written by Jewish people. But what it does is it tries to explain what God was thinking <laughs> or, or, or what really happened. So, for instance, the story of uh, Abraham, was it Abraham? No, Moses. Moses, who doesn't circumcise his son. And is that it, Moses? Man, I get confused. Yes, Moses. Yeah, it doesn't circumcise his son, and and God God says, I'm gonna kill him. Right? And so it, it, all of a sudden, I mean, in the Bible, there's it's like a huge gap. And all of a sudden, the the wife circumcises her son and throws the foreskin at the feet of Moses, and God doesn't kill him. Well, that's the story. Well, it's I mean, there's some gaps in there, bro. So kind of like the way, you know, these movies, like The Passion of the Christ and um, the one I like so much now. What's it called? Chosen. The Chosen. They took real li- they took real liberties. And in this, in their liberties, here's what they say happened. That uh, the reason the woman knew, the, the wife knew that Moses was going to die is because there were two angels there. And one of them had Moses in his mouth with his feet dangling out of the angel's mouth. And he was eating him alive. And so she quickly circumcised her son, threw it, and when he saw the blood, he was reminded of the covenant, and he threw him back up. Come on, man. <laughs> my, my point is this, is that sometimes, and, and, and Christians do this too, not just pastors, not just religious people, but just people in general. When we don't know the answer, we like to make stuff up. <laughs> and here's the thing we don't need to make stuff up man the, the bible is very clear the way it is i mean yeah. so um so the question go back to the question so the question was is it is it possible or is it good even to live uh based on old testament you know um the ten commandments the the golden rule sure it's good but it can't save you because you can never do it see most people don't realize ten commandments were never written this is found in second corinthians the Ten Commandments were never written to show you how to live. They were to show you how you couldn't live. The Ten Commandments were, were not written to, con, to convict you of sin. They were written to condemn you of sin. And so <clears throat> that's why Romans eight uh, Romans 7 talks about the law. He says, he says, the Ten Commandments, I didn't even know what coveting was until I read it. Don't covet. Then the law brought about in me this idea that I wanted to covet. Now I'm sinning because the law made me sin. He says, did the law really make me sin? No, may it never be. However, the law made me uh, aware of the fact that I covet. Mm. And so in it, it brought condemnation. So here's what I find the truth to be true. Seven, uh, 7.14 says, so that I find this truth to be in me is that uh, uh, I don't do the things I want and I do the things I hate. And he goes on to say, so who's going to save me from this body of sin? And Romans 8, 1 talks about how that condemnation comes. He says, for there's now in Christ Jesus, no condemnation. And so the law always brought condemnation. It never brought conviction. 
God brings conviction. The law always brings condemnation. So the way I, I like to explain it is if uh, if you went to the um, to, to cook a roast and you put the roast in the oven, uh, how do you know it's when it's, how do you know it's done? Temperature. Okay, temperature. So let's say it's let's say the roast is done. Let's say you grabbed a pitchfork and you grabbed it to pull it out. What, what would it pull it out? It should. No, it won't. Not a roast. If you take a pitchfork and stick it in a roast, oh, it'll just slip off. It, it'll just, no, it'll tear it up. Well, yeah, it'll just rip it out. Right? It, it won't come up with it. You'll just rip the flesh out. Right? And that's like the law. If you try to save, if you try to save your life with the law, you'll just rip yourself to shreds. Wow. Because the law is not meant for that. The law is meant to show you that your flesh is weak. And that's what's the roast problem. The flesh of the roast is weak, so you can't, the, the flesh won't, won't let you pull it out. So the law can't pull you out of your sin. The law just reminds you that you're a sinner. So what do you need? You need to change utensils. So what did Jesus do? Jesus fulfilled the law because he, even though he was flesh, he didn't have the seed of, of sin in him, which means he didn't have the flesh of sin. And so his, his seed was perfect. And so he could, even in human body, live perfectly. So the law didn't condemn him because he didn't fulfill, he, he fulfilled the law. He didn't have sin. Right. And so he did it for us. And so Jesus becomes our spatula. <laughs> and so where the law would condemn us, Jesus looked at the woman caught in sin. And what did he say? Sin no more. He said, woman, who's left here to condemn you? No one, Lord. All right. Then leave your sin here. And go and sin no more. Now, I really think he was speaking specifically of that sin. Uh, I think he was specifically saying, look, don't let them catch you doing this again, because next time I won't be here to save you. They'll stone your butt. I don't think he was talking about salvation. Uh, right. He's certainly not talking about the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's not even on the scene yet. It was before the blood covenant. Yeah, so. yeah and, it's, and it's before the Holy Spirit right. uh, lives in us. He only lived around us. So I think the problem with saying, um, you know, go and sin no more and putting that in a New Testament idea of the Holy Spirit, uh, it's out of context because the Holy Spirit wasn't living in people's lives other than right. Jesus and John the Baptist. That was the only two. And so other than those two, the Holy Spirit's not living in people. So they don't have the ability. Do you and I have the I'm, I'm going to do the sin no more real quick. Do you and I have the ability to live sinless lives? Sure we do. Sure we do. But only moment by moment. Right. We have to continually go back. No, no. Only moment by I moment. Do. You're going to sin. <laughs> yes. But you don't have to sin right now. Right. And so every moment is an opportunity to either glorify his name or to uh, denounce his name by your actions. Every mm. every decision. So, all right. So that was a long decision, long stuff about. No, this. no. I, I, uh, I love it because, again, we're touching on a lot of things that we've been talking about lately. And, um. And I, I am still struggling to get the whole, because I still feel like um, I have all the tools. The second that I've got the Holy Spirit in me, I have the tools to sin no more. But I make bad decisions and I choose to do things, right? And I know that from now till, I love, I always love talking about the, um, is God is the silversmith. Yeah. You know, yeah, and he boils us and all the crud comes up and he scrapes it off. And what does he do? Well, he turns the heat back up and he boils it up again. Right. And all the crud comes back up again. And he's right, which is exactly again. what Paul was saying. There's, there's sin in you. You don't even know sin. See, uh, here's the problem. Jared, we'll, we'll do a test real quick. So, Jared, <laughs> tell me what sin is. Anything that doesn't glorify God. 
Okay, that's a great, great thing. So watch this. Here's what's interesting. I'm gonna cause some controversy here. <laughs> this is really, really, it's this is a little controversial for everyone, I think, who who doesn't really think through it. But I like to think deeply. So here's the question. So, can, hmm, let's start with an easy question. Can God sin? No. Okay. Well, we've had that. Wait a minute. <laughs> God can do whatever He wants. He's God. Right. But can He sin? I don't think he's possible. Why is it not possible? Because he never had that seed of sin. No, in no, him. that's not why. That's I, not why. This is a great. This is look, he's this God. is so deep. This is so deep <laughs> that it's shallow. Look, I'm serious. This is this is like where you drown. When you drown, and all you had to do is put your feet down, right? You drown in two feet of water. Here it is. Ready? Sin hamartia uh, is to miss the mark. So the idea is, is if, if you take a bow and arrow and you shoot it, the arrow eventually falls and you miss the mark. <clears throat> you miss the mark of what God expects, right? How can God miss a mark? That he if, made. Wait, wait, no, no. He's the mark. Oh, he can't. He can't, he can't miss the mark. Whatever he does isn't sinful because he's the mark. We're shooting for him. So we can never be that. But he he can't help but be that. So, again, here's the controversy. <clears throat> here's the controversy. So, I have a son. I have two sons. Uh, never in my life have I thought, you know, when my son grows up, I want him to be like Samson. Now, why? I mean, Samson hung up with harlots. He did. Samson uh, took something that God gave him, his strength, and he was told not to tell what, what gave him his strength, and he told he let the love of a woman, not even a good woman, convince him of that. He let people get him angry. He killed thousands of people. And in the end, after his eyes are plucked out, his strength's been taken, his strength is now growing back because his hair is growing back. He sits in the temple, and all of the Philistines are there. And he and what does he pray? God. Does he pray this? God, um, may I exalt your name one more time before I die? No. <laughs> That's not his prayer. <laughs> Matter of fact, I don't even know. I mean, I do know the answer now, but it doesn't make sense to me in my flesh. It does in my spirit, but it doesn't make sense in my, in my flesh why God would even answer his prayer. Because here's his prayer. <laughs> all right, God, all these guys, they pluck my eyes out. Let me have my vengeance. Give me my strength so I can kill them all right now. Does that sound like something God would just allow you to do? I mean, I mean, are you kill it? Are you asking God, hey, 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 they did me wrong, God, let me kill them? It doesn't even sound right. But that's why God created Samson. Samson was created to be a judge over the Philistines. And so God created him knowing he'd hate them. And God even gave him the tools to hate them. So when it came time, he did what was in his heart, and it still glorified, it hit the mark. God set for him. Dude, that's silly, bro. That's silly to me. <laughs> and so uh, the reason I say all that is to say this. Even when I'm hitting the mark, I'm still missing the mark because I'm not the mark. And we'll never be the mark. Yeah, I'm never going to be. Right. But when I get to heaven and he He kills the flesh, then the, the prayer of Jesus will be answered. Jesus prayed for us, Jr. as as believers. He, he prayed for himself, then he prayed for the disciples, then he prayed for those who would hear and believe because of the disciples' words. That's us. And he prayed, Lord, make them one as we are one. And that's the day 
we'll, we'll, we'll no longer argue. That's the day that we'll no longer uh, worry about dumb, dumb things. That we do. Yeah, we will just, <laughs> we, you know, people are like, is heaven going to be boring? Dude, listen, if they had, if they had, you know, they had jobs in the Garden of Eden. And so what was their job? Their job was to take care of the garden. But the garden took care of itself. There was no curse on the ground. Yeah. So, yeah. so it just grew. There are no weeds. It just grew. So what was their job, really? They walked around and went, ah, there's too much fruit on this one. I'll eat the fruit. Dude, I want that job. That's a good job. <laughs> yeah. And so there will be jobs in heaven. But what if, my dad said to me one time, what if your job, John, for the first thousand years is, hey, go check out Mars and see what you think and, and take some people with you. <laughs> okay. Take some, and then we're going to go check out his creation. Come on, pastor. How is that? How is that worshipful? Dude, have you ever seen something that makes you go, that's the definition of awesome. And so that is what, that's what worship is. And so God, everything will be, we're not going to, we're never going to know it all. Not God, but we'll have the availability, the mindset to be able to learn, to learn it all. But there's so much knowledge, we'll never know it all. Yeah. And so it's, man, it's so crazy to think about how God did all of this to love us knowing we would never hit the mark because he's the mark. So. Wow. Yeah. That's big. That's huge. Um, so I, I want to hit on. Look, they're so confused. Nobody's going to say a word. No, they're. I, I I'm just which, playing. I don't know which one you logged on to, but. Uh, and I can't tell if there's any. Let me see if there's any. Uh, oh, I do have some chat. Let me see if there's any questions over here. Uh, they're like, damn, that dude talks a lot. <laughs> Frank, Brian, hello. Mike Campbell, what's up? Uh, Mike said that uh, that's a good looking out, Pastor John. Uh, yeah, so, you, Mike. so let's talk about uh, something that I struggled with. And uh, when I met John, um, I was pretty much, um, I had... I had been raised in the Catholic Church that that in my particular situation, I was never really um, uh, encouraged to read my Bible except for the basics, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and then mostly the letters of Paul. Uh, and so I never really got past any of that. And I never really read it like I should. I just think it's funny that you, here's what you just said. I was only encouraged to read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and the letters of Paul. Well, that's, Dude, the that's, whole New all, Testament. that's like all of them are like three books. So that's, yeah. that's a pretty good encouragement. It is a, I would encourage you to do that too. But it wasn't like, hey, you should be reading. You right. should be, you know, right. you know what I'm talking I'm about. He's with messing with me. But uh, I never was never really encouraged to, to study my Bible. Let's put it that way. Uh, I was never really encouraged to study it. And I know it's different now. And, and I, we've had this conversation before because my mother has a relationship with Christ. She just doesn't know it as a relationship. She thinks it's called religion, but it's not. My mother wakes up in the word. She goes to bed in the word. When she has troubles, she goes to God. She doesn't go to, you know, she still goes to church. She still goes to confession, which I, you know, I try to, that's a different story altogether. But anyway, that's how I grew up. And then when I met Connie, Connie was raised in the Baptist church. She got saved at camp when she was a teenager. And, um, and so we started trying to find a church that fit all of us. Uh, and the girls too, you know, because we were all together at that time. And we went to a Baptist church, went to a non-denominational Christian church. We went to Pentecostal church. 
and then I think we ended up at Buckner Fanning's church. And in all those churches, uh, when I was at the Pentecostal church, you know, I got really motivated to read my Bible. And somewhere along the line, I started checking boxes. Yeah, I'm saved. I, these people, are, I'm saved. I'm good. I got baptized as an adult, not as a child. I'm good, you know, and I was checking boxes until my dad died. And probably two or three weeks before dad got really sick, uh, Pastor Butch came over to the house and him and dad had a conversation and they prayed and dad prayed to receive Christ. And even then, no, if you would have known my dad and knowing that he was seeking the Lord before he got so sick that he couldn't make his own decisions was impressive enough, should have been enough for me to say, wow, I'm not there yet, but it wasn't. And it wasn't until I lost him and I didn't lose him because I know where he's at. It wasn't until he went home that I started struggling with, you know, my identity as a Christian. Like, who am I? Am I really a Christian? And the conversation John Kitt was there for one weekend. He was there one Wednesday, I think you were because you, you went back to Madagascar, and he so he was there for one Wednesday and he preached. And then the next Wednesday, I talked to his dad, uh, J.K. and uh, I was like, "Hey, I really like to talk to John. You know, well, he'll be back in a few weeks. You know, they're going to go wrap up their mission trip and and uh, when he, and so anyway, long story short, John and I ended up at Willie's and we're having dinner and we're talking about the things that I'm concerned about." And it came down to one simple concept. John John said, you either believe the Bible or you don't. And so he recognized that I read it and I understood parts of it, but I didn't believe it wholeheartedly. He understood, you know, he's like, dude, you don't you don't believe what it says because it tells us that we're going to. And so that changed my life from that point forward. And I can't tell you the exact day that happened after that. But that year I struggled. I read, I studied and somewhere along the line, I realized that without God in my heart, without God in me, I was completely hopeless. And so 2016 in the middle of the year is when I surrendered my life. I said, God, I need you to do all of it because I can't do any of it without you. And so uh, that year is a, the year I surrendered my life. And every year since then, you know, even John years, you know, a couple of years after that, we were doing stuff together. And I said, how do you know? How do you, I was still asking the question, how do I know? He's like, bro, I can see it in you. I can see the change in you. And so the fruit is going to tell you. Yeah. You know, it's one of my favorite sayings, you know, I used to love Bo Jackson. And, uh, and they used to, of course, they'd say, you know, Bo Jackson played football and baseball and was good, actually good at both, you know, and uh, actually MVP, not MVP, but the, all of, uh, what do you call it? All-star in both. And, um, and they used to have the shirts that says Bo knows, Bo knows football and Bo knows baseball. And anyway, they, they made one shirt and it said, Bo knows baseball and Bo knows football, but if Bo don't know Jesus, Bo don't know diddly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody else wrote us. Uh, then from that came the next thing I saw. I don't know if it came from that, but it certainly seemed to. It said, to K-N-O-W Jesus is to K-N-O-W change. But if there's N-O Jesus, there's N-O change. Mm. And so obviously there's a play on words. To know Jesus is to know change. 
but if there's no Jesus, then there's no change. There's no change. And that was the difference for me. I mean, I grew up a preacher's kid all my life. Uh, knew the Bible in and out. Uh, been I, I think my mom told me I knew 127 verses when I was five. Mm. Um, I just I, I knew the word, but um, I, I did not have a relationship with Jesus. I had a relationship with women, and uh, and pornography, and my own sin. You know that, and I didn't struggle with it. There was no struggle. I liked my sin. And, uh, and I wouldn't have called it sin. I would have called it fun. Um, but when I turned 19, uh, God got a hold of me. And I, I prayed a prayer when I was 12 because I, I didn't want to go to hell. I got baptized. <laughs> I did it again at 15 after youth camp. Got baptized. Got 16. Got baptized. 17 or 18. Did it again. Got baptized. But nothing ever changed. I was a, I was the same guy doing the same junk and wasn't even trying to change. Didn't want to change. I just didn't want to get caught and I didn't want to go to hell. Those are the two things. No, didn't want to get caught. Didn't want to go to hell. Wow. And so it wasn't, I was in the military at 19 that I, God really got a hold of me. And, and, and I wanted, I didn't have anything left that I wanted anyway. Everything I loved was gone. Ruptured my knee, lost my career, <clears throat> lost my girlfriend, lost everything that I loved. And, uh, and I wanted to kill myself. And it was in that time that I, I said, well, you know, God, if you're real, first of all, I, I don't, I got nothing left. And I felt like the spirit said to me, I've never left. I'm here. And I was, I don't even know if I believe in you. And uh, so I prayed a prayer that night and asked God to take away a dream I'd had for three months, a terrible dream. The next morning I got up and I didn't have the dream. I woke up and I got on my knees and I gave my life to Jesus and everything changed. <laughs> and uh, not that I don't sin, but. Dude, I struggle with sin now. Now, I tell people, uh, I, I, I struggle with sin. Meaning, it, every time I sin, God says to me, is that what we're going to do? Is that how we're living? And I'm like, no. And then I repent. But um, I didn't have that before. And so I want to speak on something just for me because it's a big deal right now. It might get you in trouble, but I'm going to deal with it anyway. You can not invite me back next time. <laughs> you know, in our world right now, we're dealing with gender identity. We're dealing with sexual identity. We're dealing with identity in general. I don't care which LBGTQ plus RS, whatever the, all the acronyms are. Here, here's what I want to say to every person <clears throat> who says they're a Christian. You cannot be a homosexual and be Christian. That don't turn off yet. You cannot be an alcoholic and be a Christian. You cannot be a pornographer and be a Christian. You cannot be a glutton and be a Christian. You cannot be uh, a, a cursor and be a Christian. You can't identify as any of those things and claim to be in Christ. But you can be a Christian who struggles with homosexuality. You can be a Christian who struggles with alcoholism. You can be a Christian who struggles with obesity. You can be a Christian who struggles with their tongue. But where your identity is found will determine where you'll be found in the future. So if wow. Christ isn't your identity, if you walk around saying, I had, a, I had a meeting with a young man the other day who's 16, 15, 16, I don't know, 15, somewhere between 14 and 17. And uh, he's uh, somebody asked him that day, are you gay? And he said, yeah, I'm gay. And so I had a meeting. I said, are you, are you gay or are you Christian? He goes, well, can't I be both? I said, of course not. You, you cannot identify in sin. You must identify in Christ or you're not in Christ. He said, well, I am in Christ. I said, well, then are you acting out on your sin? He goes, no. He said, I'm, I'm, 
I know it's sinful, but I'm I'm attracted to men. Isn't that a sin? I said, no, it's not a it's not it's not a sin. Acting on it's the sin. I'm attracted to women, but I don't act on it because I got a woman. <laughs> I, I made a covenant between me and God and me and my wife. And so would I like to be with other women? Every man would. I, who wouldn't want to, you know, just that's why other countries, they have several wives. Yeah. Now, I don't want to do that now because I realized the heartache it would give because one's hard. Three would kill me. But, <laughs> but, but here's the truth. Every man, if he's honest with himself, would, you know, when we were young, of course, we wanted to conquer every woman we could think about. Yep. But when I gave my life to Jesus, I committed myself to one. And it was the one that God gave me. And so um, if I have to do that in Christ, so does everybody else. And I don't care. I had a girl the other day asked me, I said, is it wrong for me to like other girls? No. I like other girls too. But I don't ever flirt, act out, or even hang out with people like that because I've committed my life to Christ and my wife. And that's what this young man said to me. He said, I'm not acting it out. And I'm not planning on acting out. I am in Christ. I said, well, then don't call yourself gay. Say that you're a Christian who struggles with homosexuality. Because I'm a Christian who struggles with pornography. I like that. I like that Pastor, a lot better. Wait, 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 I can't I'm a Christian what? who struggles with obesity. Well, watch this. Because somebody will say, Pastor, how do you struggle with pornography? Well, because I was in it so long. All I got to do is rest for a minute. Shut my eyes and just don't think about nothing. And all those visions come right back. All I got to do is go to a rated R movie that's got nudity in it. And I'll struggle again. So... I'm, I struggle through it, and I don't let it have the victory in my life. Um, I struggle with anger, and I, I still fail in anger. It's That's my biggest struggle. But I struggle with them because it's a real fight. There's an old saying where the <clears throat> a reporter went to a uh, went to a war with this uh, army group, and uh, and she went to the general afterward, or to the, I think he was probably the, more like the lieutenant, but went and said, I'm really worried about your, your platoon. He said, why? She said, they, all they do is fight. They're fighting against each other all the time. He goes, well, then I'm not worried. She goes, what do you mean? He said, well, as long as they're fighting, uh, they're still in this thing. It's, <laughs> he said, it's when they stop talking that I know they've quit. Mm. And so here's the thing. If we want to be who Christ calls us to be, we got to talk about it. Got to struggle through it. Because the minute we, the Bible says that uh, Ephesians chapter 5, I think it's verse 8, says you once were children of darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. So live as children of light, having nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it's shameful even to mention what disobedient people do in secret. Wow. And so we, that's what we do. We run to the darkness to hide. And when we run to the darkness to hide, and we're not talking to somebody about our sin, then we're not in the struggle. We've let we've we've stopped the struggle and we're living in sin. And the Bible says it's impossible for a Christian to live in sin. You can't you can't stay there. You you won't God won't allow you. You'll be miserable. Which is why uh, some of the most miserable people on the planet aren't lost. They're people who've given their lives to Christ and they're living in active rebellion from the Lord. We we talked about that one time, and I, you remember when we were talking about. Um, that you fall out of communion. Remember that conversation we yeah, had? Yeah, you can't fall out of relationship. Yeah. Yeah, you, so you can't lose a relationship with God. If if Christ is in you, you have the hope of glory. He's put his Holy Spirit in you, guaranteeing you what is to come. Um, and so, like Pastor Butch used to say, probably still does, he says the same stories a lot, um, like I do, by the way. Um, but you give a deposit <clears throat> on a house. The problem is now people want their deposits back. So this doesn't mean as much to us anymore. But used to, you put a deposit down. If you don't buy the house, you don't get your deposit back. Right. 
Well, God doesn't put his deposit of the Holy Spirit in us unless we're his. And once we're his, we're guaranteed a future with him. And so you cannot lose relationship. What is it? Romans 8, 38. Uh, neither height nor death nor angels nor demons or any other thing can separate us from the love we have in Christ Jesus. And so God, Jesus says, no one can snatch him out of my hand or my father's hand, right? So we are his. So you can't lose relationship. But fellowship is something that's determined by your actions. Mm. And so if, I'm in, if I've ever been in fellowship with him, sin can still cause separation of fellowship, but can never cause separation of relationship. So, for instance, my wife and I <clears throat> disagree. Um, and when we disagree, we don't talk. Or when we do, we're, we're doing nothing but yelling. Or I, I finally get tired up and I'll go sleep in my, my son's room. Because we're, it happens, man. And so we're people. It, are we still married? Of course Absolutely. You are. are we ever going to get divorced? No, we, we're in a relationship, a covenant. It's important, a covenant relationship. And so we're not going to lose that. But if I'm not careful... I can I can be in relationship with her without being in fellowship with her at all. And so the Bible says to Christians, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 is written to Christians. He says, confess your sins to one another. I'm, I'm sorry, confess your sins. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you say you do not sin, 1 John 2, 1, then you're a liar and the truth in you, it isn't in you. But if you do sin, we have one who stands at the right hand of the Father who intercedes on our behalf, the Christian's behalf. Mm. Who? Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Nobody else, not a priest, not a mediator. Jesus is the mediator. And so there's no one righteous, no, not even one. But then it says, if you sin, we have one who run, we can run to. It's Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So there is one righteous. It's Jesus, not me. And so if I want to be in relationship with God, fellowship with God, I got to first have a relationship. Can't lose that. That's good. I'm, I, that's done. But every day, what I do determines whether I'm in fellowship with him. Because mm. why would I Why would I want to talk to him? And why would he want to speak to me if he knows I'm living an act of rebellion for me? Which is why the Bible says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's job is to bring you back into fellowship with God. And if you, he wants to draw you back in and you're like, man, I'm busy sinning, you grieve the Holy Spirit because he desires for you to be in fellowship with him. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> So your sin breaks fellowship, yeah. not relationship. Right. Well, and if, if you're in Christ. Right. If, if you're not in Christ, Christ, your sin broke. We should have had a relationship. Okay, so go back to Adam and Eve, right? So Adam and Eve had a relationship with God because they weren't sinners. Right. So the Bible says God made man his glory. So the glory of God is man. Okay? So we are his glory. Okay? He created us for that. But when Adam and Eve decided to sin, they lost something. What did they lose? They lost relationship with God, which allowed them to lose the glory of God. So if they would have stayed in a glorious state, they could have passed on the glory of God to their children. But you can't pass glory on because we broke that. That's broken. We live in a broken world. And so the only thing they could then pass on was their sin. And that's what we got. And that's what we got. That's what we still have. And so... What Jesus did on the cross was he reestablished Adam. That's what Romans 5 says, that Adam was the first who passed on the sin. But Jesus becomes the second Adam who passes on the glory. So that in Christ, where in Adam we received the sin, the sinful seed, in Christ we can receive the glory seed. So the glory of God can come back to man. So the Holy Spirit can come and dwell in us, which is his glory. 
And the second we surrender, we get that. We do. The second you do. The second. Yeah. It's not about baptism. It's not about speaking in tongues. It's not about the minute you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, if you do it truly, the Holy Spirit comes to live with you forever. Now, do you always feel his presence? No. If you're run, living, living in sin or neglecting him or not speaking to him, he's still there, but you won't feel his presence because you're actively rebelling from him. When my children are acting wrong, I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> I, I don't. I want them to repent first. Same thing's true for God. I'll never forget um, one time I, I really, 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 really wanted to hear from God. I was struggling hard, right? Some stuff in my church was happening. And I said, God, I really, I need to hear a fresh word from you. And, uh, dude, not often does God speak to me where I know, like, like, it was him. It was like, it wasn't my conscience. It wasn't, I mean, I know it was him. Right. Yeah. And I said, I said, God, I just need a fresh word from you. And I mean, immediately God said, I'll tell you what, you obey my first word and I'll give you a fresh word. And I, there was no doubt what he meant. God had called me to do something I had not done. And I was not willing to do it because of my hurt. And God's word to me was, then you're living in sin. See, we normally think sin is the Ten Commandments. The problem is the Bible says in, in Joel that God was going to take the laws of the tablets and he was going to do away with them. And he was going to write his laws in our hearts. Mm. And so if you think the Ten Commandments are rough, you hadn't touched the, the mind of God yet. Because the Ten Commandments are are just a touch of, of really the first four commandments are the only ones that deal with God anyway. Did you realize that? So we the, fir the first four are, are vertical, right? Yeah. So there's one God, serve him only. That's me yep. and God. Have no other, cut out all the idols in your life. So there's no other idols before us. Me. Three, don't speak the name of the Father in vain. So that's about me and God. Um, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. That's about remembering that our, that our rest was going to come from him, not from a day. Not from sleeping so or people, whatever. So people say the, the Sabbath day is Saturday. No, it's not. It's every day. Because when the Holy Spirit came, Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you rest. It's not found in a day. It's found in the sun. Right? It's not It's not found when the sun comes up and down. It come, <laughs> It's found in the sun who went down and came up. Okay? Mm. All right. That, that's a play on words. But, <laughs> but it's found in Christ. And so remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy was so that we remember we can't keep it holy. Without him, it's impossible. So those four about us. The next five, right? You got uh, honor your father and mother. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. And don't covet. Those are all about my relationship with you. And so if I break those, yeah, it messes up my relationship with God too, but only because it messes up my relationship with you. Because God created you in the, in the image of God. And so to not like you is to not like him. That's why the golden rule is so important, because when I treat you incorrectly, what I'm saying is what, what I'm saying to God is I don't care about the creation that you made in your image. Mm. And so this is important because it it, it helps us understand this. Yeah. I can't see him. So Jesus says, if you say you love your if you say you love God, but hate your brother, you're a liar. Because mm. how can you hate your brother who you see and say you love God who you've never seen? It's not possible. So all of that. To say that, you know, at some point we've got to look back and go, okay, so what is sin? And 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 is, is sin really the Ten Commandments? No. Sin is missing God's mark. So if God says to you, I, like one time having me, I, I was trying to sin, sin no more. I actually told the youth group, we're going to try to not sin today. And so all day long at youth camp, I went around singing like hymns in my head. 
singing, singing. I didn't talk to nobody because if I talked to somebody, it's going to make me mad. And then I was going to sing. And so I was sitting there. I'd been doing about an hour and I was just sitting there singing, singing, singing. And I saw this girl who was working, uh, cleaning a table and she works there. And I felt like, I felt like you should go help her. I said, like, no, that's her job. And God goes, you just sinned. <laughs> How did I sin? The Bible says for he who knows what's right for him not to do it, it's a sin. <laughs> and that's when I realized it's impossible to sin no more. You know why? Because when you stop sinning actively, you, God will start revealing to you the sins you do passively. Oh man, that was good. That was, that you was know, good. it's funny because we, Harry and I were having this conversation and we were talking about, uh, in our Sunday school class, actually the whole class, where we were talking about the 10 commandments. We went through all each one and what they really, we elaborated on. Right. And then we started talking about that. So is it possible just to, you know, just to, 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 to violate one of those 10? Probably not because, you know, David, everybody says, oh, well, he, he uh, slept with Bathsheba. And yeah, he had a lot, he had to do a lot of the things before he got there. He did. Yeah, he, did. he, you know, he coveted his, he killed because basically he sent her husband to get killed. He, you know, dishonored his father and mother. If you want to really take it. Yeah. I mean, you can go through there and say, well, he probably violated like eight or nine thinking he was only doing one thing wrong. Yeah. And so I think us today need to understand that when you sin, you're not just doing one thing. Well, it, you're it, probably violating yeah. more than yeah, one. By the time you've sinned, you, you've you, had to, you had to do a lot to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. At, at least for Christians. Right. For non-Christians, it may not be the same. They don't have the Holy Spirit jacking them the whole time. Yeah. But for me to act in sin, I have to I have to tell the, the Holy Spirit no four or five times. I have to go over a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I do that. Yeah. But sometimes it's it's reactive, right? So you know the difference between response and reaction. Reaction is my flesh. It's without thinking. If you if you scare me, I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna punch you, and that's your fault because you it's my flesh. You scared me, yeah. <laughs> and so if anytime I react, I sin. Anytime. Why? Because no matter what I do, I'm not gonna hit the mark. Mm. Even if it's good. See, a lot of people think being good is God's mark. No, it's not. Being God is God's mark. We've had this conversation Absolutely. too. Because so, so a lot of good people are going to go to hell. Well, and, and a lot of Christians think they're doing good. And in fact, you're you're doing you're you're not helping God. For instance, there are people who God is is disciplining. And so if I'm if I go downstairs and my, my child's done something and I've grounded her, and my wife's down coddling her. And giving her the very thing that I took from her, she's not helping. She's hurting the process, right? Never happens, by the way. If anybody, I'm the bad guy in the marriage, I promise you. But <laughs> but God's the same way. God shows discipline. The, the Bible says those who are not disciplined are not loved by God. God disciplines us. That's one of the reasons bad things happen. That's why it says we should confess our sins one to another. The time of, of healing will come. So God disciplines those he loves. Well, while he's disciplining us, sometimes we want to be good to each other. And so we we say, oh, man, they don't have any money. I'm, I'm just going to give them money. And in doing so, if that's not what God had planned for them, you're, you're undermining God's discipline. Oh, Pastor, wow. are you saying I shouldn't help people? No, I'm saying you shouldn't do anything without asking God. Because if mm. we belong to him, then we should always want to hit his mark, not our mark. Our mark will be good. That's what the Pharisees were doing in those 400 years, doing what they thought was good. And that's what happens when, only, when we don't hear from God. We do our, ver, our version of God, which is not 
There's no about it. It's just leave one O out. It's it's not we we add an O in it. Like oh, I know what I should do, and it's no longer God. It's just good, right? And so goodness is not the mark. Mm. Godliness is, and so we must hear from Him, which is why Christianity is so important. Every other religion in the world is said you got to take a book, whatever the book is, and then you have to come up with your own wisdom. And I tell people, listen, if that was what religion was, I'd have left it. If that's what Christianity was, I'd have left it a long time ago. The reason I can't leave is because he speaks to me daily. And that alone is so rich, man. I told people, if I could show you and, sh- and, and, and explain to you, and if you believed me the way God speaks to me, and how it's things that I shouldn't even know about, and how it always turns out for the good— if you knew that, dude, you'd want the relationship I have. But but the relationship I have is not about being good. It's about being godly. And so sometimes godliness doesn't look like goodliness. Samson killing those people was God's mark. But it's not anything I'd ever teach my kids to do. Nope. Right? But so that's not for me. That's for him. Exactly. Exactly. That was his. Right. Well, let, let me go back to Let's talk about COVID just for a second since we're since hopefully we're through COVID. There was such a debate on whether to do it or whether not to do it. And I continued to harp. Matter of fact, I think I did it here. Continue to harp. Listen, ask God. Stop asking people. <laughs> ask God. Yeah. And people say, well, God, uh, God, would, God, God wouldn't tell me something, tell you something else. Are you kidding me right now? The Bible's full of where God, P- Paul says, just because it's good for me doesn't make it right for you. You know, that God has a different standard. In other words, what God wants for my life may not be the same for you. Now, there are certain sins that God doesn't want anybody to do. Those are found in Romans all over the place. Right. But but that doesn't mean, for instance, I hate alcohol. It doesn't mean alcohol is a sin. But if I touch alcohol, it's a sin. Why? Because God's told me not to. Yeah. So I can go around and tell people, hey, you shouldn't drink because it's a sin. No, no. That's not for me to tell you. That's for God to tell you. Yeah. But I would tell you, if you've ever abused it, you should never touch it. Because if you've ever abused it, you will again. It's just a matter of, then then it's a matter of how much does the devil have to do in order to get you to do it again. It's like that old question with the woman where the guy says, hey, how much for you to sleep with me? And she's like, I'm no prostitute. He goes, how about a million dollars? She goes, oh, a million dollars? She goes, okay, how about a dollar? She goes, I told you I'm no prostitute. He goes, honey, we've already decided what you are. Now we're haggling price. <laughs> and so... The, <laughs> So at some point, we, we've got to decide who we are. Yeah. And if we're Christ, then we're not for sale. And so we've got to just stick back to that identity. We've got to stick in the identity of Christ and say, okay, this is who I am. And it's not about being good. It's about doing and being who God's called me in my own personal walk with Jesus to be. And then as God tells me every single morning I wake up, John, you're going to die. Why do you care what anybody thinks about you? Just do what I tell you to do. And bro, that's I'm telling you, every morning I get woke up with that. And uh, and it's a daily reminder. So Galatians 1.10, let me back up. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. So the life I now live, I live by faith. And the one who loved me gave so for me, right? That's So let's think about betting for a minute. So 2.20 is a double down of 110. Okay, 110 doubled is 220. What, is, what does Galatians 1.10 say? If I'm going to crucify myself, Romans, uh, Galatians 2.20, what do I got to start? I got to start in Galatians 1.10, which is, am I still trying to please men or am I trying to please God? Mm. And so the double down to that is if you're not trying to please men, you're trying to please God, then crucify the flesh and live for the Lord. Don't worry about what people think about you. 
So anyway, I have a great question. Yeah. Let's lead into that. So yeah. let's talk about condemnation. Yeah. Because I, uh, and it's one of the things that Brian uh, always tells me, he always jumps on my case about uh, self-condemnation. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this just before we started. You know, I have a problem because I, you know, I make bad choices. I'm condemning myself. But if I'm in Christ, how can I condemn myself? Where well, does that come from? Condemnation comes from the enemy. Okay. It does not come from God. Um, in no way, shape, or form. God doesn't do that. That's not how God works. Here, okay, so, let me, so let's talk about the difference between condemnation and conviction. Conviction draws you to something. Condemnation makes you run from something. So the Holy Spirit, when I sin, the Holy Spirit brings conviction in my life. And sure, I'll feel bad because I'm in it. And it causes me to repent and run back to Him. But sometimes I'll do that and then I'll, 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 matter of fact, before I even even pray, I'll feel convicted, and then I'll begin to pray, and then I'll feel condemned, because it's the enemy going seriously. After what you just did, you're going to pray. You think God wants to hear from you, dude? Are you serious right now? And I have to remind myself of the promise of God. If I confess my sins, He's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And so, conviction brought draws me to the Lord. That's from God. Condemnation draws me or shows throws me away from God. That's from the enemy. Now that's for Christians. Now let's go away from Christianity. Um, for a non-believer, condemnation comes from the Bible. The Bible says the laws of God were written never to save, but always to show us that we needed a savior. And so Paul writes in Romans 7 that the more he read the laws, the more he he wanted to sin. It, it like when someone talks about, for instance, pornography. The next thing you know, somebody's like it, that. The enemy uses that in your mind to think about pornography. The next thing you know, is you're looking at pornography. That's why I tell people when they want to stop smoking, don't think about not smoking. Think about something else. Because if all you do is like, I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke. You've thought about smoke all day you're long, gonna smoke. and you're going to smoke. <laughs> and so you've got to put your mind on Christ. Put your mind on things above. And so there's got to be a way to uh, don't be conformed any longer to the truth to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so that's got to take place. So um, i got to go back where we came from. Um, what's Condemnation. The condemnation. So for the world, the law always condemns. Mm. That's why people from the LBGTQ plus community who are not Christian, not, not Christians who struggle with that, but people who identify as that, that's why they hate the Bible. Because it condemns them. But it doesn't have to. If they would confess their sin as for what it is, and I don't, and I, by the way, I don't mean the sin of, of homosexuality. I don't mean the sin of that at all. I mean the sin of their disbelief. Mm. If they wow. would, if they would trust Christ as their Lord, then he could change their identity and then give them the identity of Christ. And then they could struggle through homosexuality, but it would be a struggle to get out of it, not a struggle to glorify it. They would be glorifying God, not glorifying their sin. Mm. But the condemnation that comes from the Bible is there. But all the while, God is still wooing us back, wooing people to Himself. The Bible says, "If God exalt, if if God be exalted, that He will draw them into Himself." Exalted means lifted up. That's what He did when He was lifted up on the cross. And the minute He was lifted up on the cross, just like in um, Numbers, where they lifted the snake up in the wilderness. So that all who looked upon the serpent 
were healed because it was the provision of God. In the same way, Jesus tells Nicodemus in John 3, just like the serpent had to be lifted up, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so all who look upon him and believe will be healed and saved. And so it all ties this beautiful picture about how God's drawing people to himself. But the Bible, there's no, I mean, I know why people hate the Bible. Because if you're not in Christ, it condemns you. But it also is the only answer to how you get out of condemnation. So Romans 7 is all about being condemned. Romans 8, 1, or Romans 7 ends with, who will save me from this life of condemnation? Romans 8, 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when you feel condemned, confess your sins and know that you cannot be condemned. Because you're in Christ, if you're in Christ. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I mean, we've been all over the place here, but we could do this all day long because I have always uh, enjoyed John and he and I can have great conversations. And I've been I've been way off the mark several times. And and even sometimes we'll have conversations and I still I said, John's crazy. He's nuts. And then I, you know, God will put the word in front of me and I'm like, I think I'm nuts, too. Oh, I get it now. You know, and so. uh like you said, you just got to keep going back to God because that's the only way that we're ever going to get where we need to be going. I mean, you know, we've talked about the country, too, uh, in our own conversation. And John said something that just really uh, moved me. I think we're going to end with his thought. But well, you got, yeah, I, got, I got one more thought before we go. OK, well, well, let's talk about the, the country, country first. first. Yeah, um, I, you know, as Christians, part of the Great Commission is we're supposed to share the gospel. And one of the things that I learned from Will, um, Will told me something one time, Will Davis. He said, we're so concerned about not hurting people's feelings and not making people uncomfortable that we're willing to tolerate people that we love, people that we know. We're willing to tolerate them straight to hell instead of telling them the good word. And... And so the conversation was, we're in such a terrible place with our country. It's so divided. There is so much evil. I mean, for, you know, that's, I think it's the right word, evil, in our midst right now. And I was like, man, how do we, you know, we, we, we have to be on fire. You know, Revelation 3.16, it's on my board in here. We have to be on fire, and we need to be sharing that fire everywhere. And I'm going to let John say what he said, because you remember what you told me about about the country that it needed a heart transplant? You don't I'll tell you, I never remember what I say after I say I really think so, the Holy Spirit gives it to me, and then it's out, because it's not me. It's him. It's gotta be. He said, I'm not that smart. He said the, that the, the country needs a heart transplant, and he's read the last chapter, and we don't uh, get it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's and true. so what do we do? What are we supposed to do if we know that the country's not going to get a new heart? What is our job? What are we supposed to do? Well. Here's, I don't know what you're looking for, but let me tell you, let me, let me tell you what brings to mind when you say all that is that the world, the Christian church or the church in general sees the world and thinks what we got to do is we have to, um, we got to, we got to tell them they're sinners. But the Bible says that the invisible qualities of God are seen throughout nature so that all men are without excuse, that men know what's right, Mm. but they choose evil. So they know, listen, man, look, people know they're sinners. Everybody knows. I don't care yep. how much how much they say, oh, I'm, I'm fine. With people know. And so I don't have to condemn you. That's not good news, by the way. 
If you come and tell me all my sins, I'm not going to be happy with you. That's not good news. And that's not what the Bible says we're supposed to share. Now, as a pastor, I share the whole thing. But if you're not a pastor, truth is, why not do what Jesus? That's what I love, by the way. You asked the other day what I love about the, the chosen. I love the fact that Jesus is shown as a lover of men. He just loves people. And that is exactly the character of God. And so what harm would it do just to love people? You find a homosexual who who is all up in your face about rights. Just love them. Now, what's that? What harm is that going to do? Well, because people might think I love a homosexual. Jesus loves them too. <laughs> yeah. So, what harm would it do to to love a homeless person, to love an alcoholic, to love obese people? What what harm would it be? Because watch this. I'm that guy too. Their sin might be different than mine, but it's not worse than mine. If I want you to love me, then I can love you. So if they're not, if the world is not going to get better, really it's not. I, I know we want it to get better and we should, you know, what your, thy kingdom come that will be done on earth as is in heaven. I know that's a prayer we should pray. But that means as far as it is with us, may we do what's right. But everybody else is probably going to do wrong and eventually it's going to get ugly. So why not spread the love of Christ? And, and then as you in a relationship with people because of your love, they'll care what you think. The old saying is this, um, people won't care what you think until they, until they, uh, people, people won't care what you know until they know that you care. Mm. And so it doesn't matter what truth you think you have to share until you love them. Your words mean nothing. Matter of fact, all your words will do is bring condemnation. So I say, instead of talking to people, don't ever talk to people about Jesus. Until you've talked to Jesus about that person. Wow, there you go. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. So, well, what was your, what did you want to leave this with? So one of the things that I'm really, so this is a conversation for another day because I'm studying it right now. So this, there's a, there's an, the question becomes as a Christian, how do you, how do you get out of sin you've been in forever? Right? How do you, how do you, and I really would love to come back another night and do this, but I need to study some more first. Um, but how do you get out of sin like, how do I, how does someone who, who is, uh, who struggles with homosexuality or for like me growing up in pornography or even my anger, how do you get out of that? Right. And so I'm able to get, I'm able, I was able to get out of some of it, but my anger is still a horrible issue. So how do you do it? How do you get out of it? And so I've really been studying on what, what does that even mean? So, so there's something in the Bible, right? It's, it's Hebrew poetry called parallelism. Parallelism is when you say something, um, Two ways, but it means the same thing. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. So that's saying the same thing two different ways. It means the same thing, right? Yeah. But it's it's kind of helping you get a broad spectrum. But then you have something called parallelism, antithetical parallelism, which is saying the same thing by saying it two opposite ways. Okay? Um, I don't have another example, except I'll give you this one. Um, there's this Bible verse that we use all the time that seemingly is saying two different things. And it's, it is the answer people have given me all my life for how do you, how do you get out of sinning? Oh, here's the answer. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. That sounds like two commands. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Submit to God means you give over control. That's easy, right? I mean, not easy to do, but that's, that's easy to figure out. What in the world does it mean to resist the devil? Right? Does that mean like, no, no devil, we're not doing this? I got a better question. Why are you talking to him? 
Yeah. I don't want to be in a relationship with him. I don't want to talk to him. When my kids, when I'm mad at my kids, I say, get out of the room. I don't want to talk to you right now. So if I treat my own children that way, why do I treat the enemy, not the devil, because it's not really, it's the, it's demons. Why do I talk to demons like they're my friends? <laughs> right? So if I've submitted my life to God, what is it? If it's if this is an ant, and I think it is, I think it's just not two commands. I think this is par- antithetical parallelism. I think what they're trying to say is submitting to God, do the opposite of the enemy. So if you've submitted your life to God, stop talking and having conversations with your flesh. Stop get don't when when, when you see a girl walking down the road, like this happened to me just a couple days ago. I walked in a, a circle K and a girl came out and she was not wearing enough clothes. And, uh, and I looked and immediately my mind went somewhere and I, I, what I used to do is I'd go, John, stop, just stop, stop, just stop. And I couldn't make it stop. It would just continue and continue to the point when I was growing up that I couldn't control it. And that's when I went to pornography. And so I've learned something. I don't do that anymore. Now, because I know I've submitted my life to Christ, when those things happen, I have the ability because of the Holy Spirit to say, uh-uh, hold on, I've submitted my life to God and now I'm not submitting to you. I don't even know why you're here. I don't want you here. And by the authority given to me by Jesus, get out of my life. Stop talking to me. I don't want to talk. Don't come back. In the name of Jesus, I cast you out. And here's the thing. That sounds so spiritual. Like that sounds so <laughs> revolutionary, Pentecostal, spiritual. But here's the thing. Since that, I've had greater victories in my life than I've ever had in just in the last three or four months. And so I'd love to come back another time and just discuss that because it's it's intriguing to me. It is. Because had it not been for Madagascar, I wouldn't treat the spiritual world the way I do. Uh, I was not that that wasn't even in my focus. But when I watched demons cast out, when I watched healings take place, then I started realizing all this happened in America, the difference between America and Madagascar is in Madagascar, they believe in spiritual realms. And so because of that, they're demon-possessed because they give in to demons, they also give in to the Holy Spirit. In America, we don't give in to anybody. We don't really submit to God. What we do is we submit to religion as long as it fits our, 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 our box. But the minute it doesn't, we just switch religions. So we haven't really submitted to God. We've just, uh, we're just using the church. We're using God. Yeah. Um, and so... Elf on a shelf, man. So, so the problem we have in America is, is that we're asleep. <laughs> Ephesians 5.14 says, So wake up, O sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. So be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, and make the most of every opportunity, and find out what pleases God. And so as long as the church is asleep, the enemy goes, Shh, don't mess with them. Don't wake them up. Don't mess them up. Leave them alone. But the minute you, you awaken and you start doing real things, spiritual things, all of a sudden what happens is, is the spiritual world wakes up and goes, okay, God's doing something in JR's life. Let's get involved. And if you don't know your authority to tell them, get out of my life, then they'll, they will absolutely destroy your fellowship with God. Mm. And then you lose the joy of your salvation. Then you think you're no longer saved. Wow. And so the Bible says, may we pray the enemy's out. And pray that God restore the joy of our salvation, which comes with good fellowship with God. Mm. That's what I want to end on. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, folks, uh, you know, I love having John because 
it's just uh, we always have great conversations, <laughs> and I always end up having to go back to my Bible and study because uh, something always changes. Uh, but that's, you know, that's iron sharpens iron. We're supposed to do this. We're supposed to talk about this. We're supposed to fellowship and talk about God and, and learn from each other. You know? What's well, really amazing. I'll go home and watch this so I can know what I said, because I'm telling you, it's, <laughs> it's crazy, bro. Like I'll, I'll preach and then I'll go watch it because you don't realize, and I know this sounds so super spiritual, but you don't realize I'll say things like I had a meeting with a family at my house yesterday and I said things and I thought, I've never heard that. I've never said that. I've never even thought that before. Where did that come from? And so I actually go back and watch these things so that I can learn from what the Holy Spirit was using me for. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm telling you, there's a lot of stuff <laughs> the Lord brings out that I'm like, dude, I've never even thought of that. But it comes out and it's like, dude, that's good. It's all from him, man. And, uh, and it helps other people. And so, uh, you know, I like that thing always like, even if you've been a Christian for one day, you can do something for the guy who's just becoming a, a save, you know, even Dude, if why are you trying to start more conversations? I'm not, bro. I'm just saying like, you can always learn from anybody, whether yeah. you've been doing it forever or if you haven't been doing it that long, we can all help each other. In Madagascar, we, we let a girl to the Lord. And I said, I want you to go tell someone about the story we gave you today that go tell that story. And we left and the two pastors are with me. They said, you failed her. So what do you mean? They said, she's going to mess that story up. It's going to be no good. And, and she's going to, it's going to be horrible. And I said, do you believe she's a Christian? Yeah. Do you believe she has the Holy Spirit? Yeah. I said, then how does she have anything less than you have? And they were like, well, that's not that. It's just that she's not trained. I said, the Bible says we need no teacher for the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that or not? Well, yes, but we're I back said, to the, do I, you said, believe I, said, it? I said, I said, right. Your problem is your religion and your customs have taught you it's not good, not enough. I said, let's just see what happens because here's the truth. And this is the coolest part. It's a great closing point again, is that why do we even have the New Testament other than Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and maybe Revelation? Why do we have the New Testament? Because the church screwed up all the time. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise we wouldn't even have the letters. Every letter was to address a problem. And so Paul would leave them and say, okay, do your best. Have the Holy Spirit, do your best. And if there's anything wrong, I'll come back and fix it later. In other words, the Holy Spirit can be trusted. So just wow. be who God's called you to be. And know, you, dude, you might make some mistakes. You might even say wrong things. But the greatest gift in the world is to be able to come back and go, you know, I messed that up. But I can't mess up God's word. Here's what it says. So, Awesome. 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 And I, I asked myself the other day, Paul would definitely write me a letter. Yeah, right. <laughs> I want to know what his letter to me would say. You know, so think about what Paul's letter to you would be. And uh, and if you have questions, uh, you know, Pastor John is always available. Uh, and as am I, you can reach us on the podcast. Uh, you can reach John at, and I'll put stuff in the, in the show notes when I'm done uh, for his church and his links and stuff like that. Everyday Christian uh, Fellowship in Cibolo, Texas. Uh, you can reach out to him anytime or his pastoral staff. They're all awesome people. I know a lot of them. Yeah, well, and we got obviously sermons online. Listen, if you want to see a good thing, uh, greatest thing I think I've ever done as a pastor, uh, not Wednesday, but week Wednesday, whatever day that was, I did a thing on prayer um, where I talked about, I walked through the Lord's Prayer and then we prayed. It took about an hour and we just prayed through that and then prayed over each other, prayed out loud, prayed silently, prayed over, laid hands. Um it was really good. 
I mean, it was I'm really to good. Go back and look at that it, myself, yeah, <laughs> it, it, dude. It really was. And since then, my prayer life has taken off. Um, by the way, I, I prayed in tongues a couple of days ago. Really? Uh, yeah, but not the tongues you're thinking. Um, what I learned is, <laughs> what I learned is, when I pray in Malagasy, that uh, I, I can't pray. I do praying is hard for me because my, I can't silence my mind. But I learned the other day after that thing, if I pray in Malagasy, um, I have to think so hard about what every word means that my mind doesn't go anywhere. And so I've had the deepest prayer conversation with God I've ever had in my life in the last week. And it's by praying in, in a tongue that I know, but I don't really know it that well. I know it well enough to try. And so I want to, I want to look I, and I called Roddy today and I told him that just because a joke, I want to say, I just want to say I pray in tongues. So I said that to him and he goes, uh, he goes, that's funny. He said, I do the same thing. He said, I pray in French. He said, and I know French, but I don't know it well enough to just pray it without thinking. I have to think so much wow. that it really makes every word deep. So anyway, yeah, so, so good that's thought. awesome. That is awesome because prayer is so important. So you might want to go watch that on yeah. Facebook and YouTube. I'm going to have to check it out. And again, I'll put stuff in the comments when we're done here. Uh, thanks again for, for tuning in. I know we went a little bit over the mark today, but uh, we miss the mark all the time. We miss the mark all the time. And, uh, and so what a great conversation. Uh, again, if you have questions, if you need a Bible, shoot me a message. I give Bibles away for free. I tell everybody this all the time. I got a stack of them in the house and I'll, I'll write something in it for you and I'll send it to you for free. Um, and, uh, anyway, if you have any other questions about tonight's show or anything, uh, again, just a little bit of plug on my coffee. Uh, if I don't get an order by Sunday or Monday by noon, I can't get the Christmas packages out. So if you want a Christmas package, uh, look for them now. You have to get on the website, uh, www.thirddaycoffeeseguin.com, all spelled out. Because um, if you just Google Third Day Coffee Seguin, my other site that we're working on, it's going to pop up and it's not all on there. So thirddaycoffeeseguin.com. Uh, we've got a bunch, everything in the package this year is all veteran, uh, supplied by veteran companies. So that's, uh, you'll be supporting uh, many veterans, not just myself. Um, and I don't think we're going to do a show next uh, Friday or the Friday after because I think we're getting into New Year's and uh, Christmas. Uh, but I'll do some lives, uh, just some Facebook lives in between uh, just to keep people grounded. Uh, January, the whatever the day is, the first Friday in January after New Year's. Uh, we'll be doing a, a live in here, and by then I'll have the shop cleaned up, hopefully, and we'll be back at the table where we usually are. And uh, I'm trying to get John and two other pastors, one of his uh, men's pastor, Akram uh, Myers, and then Harry Spence, who's my Sunday school teacher uh, from the country church, um, and a few other people. Just you know, we've had these great conversations, and and we don't we don't really argue. We we just learn from. No, each we other. argue. It's just good. Well, argument. It's, it, it is. It's good. It's argument. Good argument. Yeah. Uh, and so people have different perspectives, you know, and, and, uh, you know, John brings a lifetime of perspective. I bring a very short period of perspective, but I've studied a lot. And Harry brings a perspective of, he was almost a Catholic priest. He finished Catholic seminary, uh, and pastor Butch, you know, convinced him that that's, you know, that's not the way he should be going. And so we have some great perspective with all these people. Akram's story is incredible too. You know, he basically, they basically told him don't reenlist because we're not going to let you if you don't quit preaching the word every time you turn around. And so uh, stay tuned for that. We'll be, you know, I'll be posting stuff and uh, love you, you guys. Know, you know, you, you said tonight you're going to talk about salvation. So let me close with this. Okay. 
this Sunday, I'm pre- not this Sunday, Christmas Sunday, I'm preaching on uh, wise men bring the bring the best gifts. And here's the here's the truth. I asked one of the kids this week. I said, uh, "We're going to plan your birthday party. We're going to everybody's going to come to your birthday party. We're going to give everybody gifts, but you." And the kid goes, uh, "No." I said, "Why not?" She said, "Because it's my birthday." <laughs> and so I'm preaching Sunday morning about that. Is the fact that the wise men brought the best gifts? They brought gifts that meant something. That he was a king, gave him gold. That they brought frankincense because he was God. And they brought myrrh because he was going to die. And so uh, they knew all that from the prophetic word, which is what I'm preaching this week, all the prophecies of Jesus fulfilled. But they brought the best gifts because they were wise people. So I asked the question, who wants to be wise? Well, all of us do. Well, then what gift are you bringing to the Messiah this year? It's his birthday. So what gift are you bringing? And he's the only, he wants the same gift then that he wants now. It's always one of the same thing. He wants a relationship with people, which can only be given, John 14, 6 says, through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but through him. So how do you have a relation with Jesus? Here's how you do it. It isn't by confessing your sin. It's by confessing, agreeing with God that Jesus is Lord. Literally, it's when when you say with your mouth, John 1, 10, John 1, 12 says, you've got to believe. But Romans 10, 9 says, with your mouth, you must confess, Jesus, you are the Lord. Admit, agree with God that Jesus is the Lord. So in other words, he has permission to do whatever he wants to do. So I asked the kid. If you told your mom this week, I'm going to clean the house. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'll do anything you want me to do this week, this Saturday. And your mom said, okay, well, that's great because I want you to clean the house, do the laundry, do the dishes, mow the lawn. I want you to uh, re-roof the the roof. And the kid kind of looked at me and said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, what do you mean, whoa, 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 whoa? You said anything. That's not what I meant. I said, there's a lot of people who pray a prayer, but they didn't mean lordship. Mm. They meant I don't want to go to hell. Lordship is God, whatever you have for me. I'll take it because you're in charge. And if that's what you do, then the Holy Spirit will come to live in you. And if you don't do that, then you're not saved. You're just playing a religious card. And I played the religious card for you. So that's salvation. So we, we said we we're going to talk about it. We, we, were. Should, we should at least end on it. We ended on it. Absolutely. And that's a beautiful thought. So like I always say, you know, I thank God for, for John. Uh, you know, God put John in my life uh, years ago, and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, and we continue to learn. I continue to learn Me too. Uh, from him and from Harry and from Pastor Butch and everybody who's in my life. And God puts people in our lives for reasons. So uh, when one person leaves, God will put somebody else that you need when you need it. Uh, anyway, treat each other the way God intended us. Treat one another with love, kindness, and respect. And uh, like I said, we'll, we'll see you in January, but you'll hear from us sometime between now and then. So. That's all we got for tonight. Good night, and God bless you. Bless you guys. Turn it off. They're still looking at me.